Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, just how different is Buffalo's offense this season compared to last season, if at all? And what could the changes mean coming down the stretch? ESPN Patriots reporter Mike Reese joins us to talk about how the Bills-Patriots rivalry may now be a two-sided affair. And Steve is quizzed on the Bills' game-winning plays over the Patriots in their victories through the Belichick years. Dun-dun-dun-dun! Glad you can make it in here for Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you, and we lead off with a Buffalo offense that seems to have taken a slightly altered approach this season in comparison to last year. Last year, Steve, this offense didn't even try to let their run game lead the way. It was a very minor compliment to their dominant passing attack. This year, our eyes tell us they've tried to change things ever so slightly. But what do your eyes tell you about what the Bills might be trying to do differently on offense? More multiple? Maybe? A little bit. Um, they're doing things a little differently because they've interchanged John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders, and Dawson Knox has emerged. Plus, and don't take this for granted, I'm, I know I'm, it sounds crazy, but their defense is dominant. Yes. That has made a difference for their offense as well, and I think the more complimentary football has made it look or seem like their offense is not as potent as it was last year, but I don't think it's all that much different. And uh, taking it a step further, their special teams, I think, has helped, too. They're, they're ranking high in a lot of different categories. Their coverage teams have been very good. Their average drive start ranks very high in the league. It's top five. And those impact play calling and other things on the offensive side of the ball. As we typically do on this show, we dive into the numbers. So as we do that on the Bills offense from 2020 and thus far this year through 11 games played, we begin with pass versus run. In 2020, the Bills passed just over 60% of the time, 60.3%, and ran the ball 39.7% of the time. Through 11 games this season, Steve, they've passed 60.4% of the time and run the ball 39.6%. It's a difference of one-tenth of a percent. So the run-pass breakdown, almost identical to that of last year. Is that surprising to hear that the breakdown is virtually the same as last season? Uh, a little bit. I think most people, you forget how it was last year was so different from the year before. Right, everything 2019 was to 20. You're yes, from about. 19 to 20, everything was so different. And I think you remember that feeling of, wow, this is awesome. It's going to be great. And, and I think those feelings kind of project on loud. Wow, this should be awesome. This should be great. Well, actually, it's exactly the same as it was last year with a better defense. And I think it makes us doesn't make us feel as all warm and fuzzy because we're not surprised by it. We right. expect it, them to play offense in a way that makes us feel like we did last year. But the expectations have been so changed from nineteen or from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, that I I think it's harder for this offense to do something different to, to fulfill those expectations. I think it's I think it's the expectations of how we should feel about it that has changed more than the actual output or yeah. whatever we're seeing on the field. Nobody thought we could go out and score forty four points against the Seattle Seahawks last year, right? Or thirty four or forty points against the Rams, yeah. the Niners to blow those teams out or to go out and score points at will against a schedule that was an absolute gauntlet of good teams. And I think 
with the schedule this year, I think people just said, right, you know, they started doing <laughs> stretching exercises for their celebration. Let's get ready know? for the 30 burgers. Right. And, right, exactly. And, <laughs> and indeed, the team was scoring 30 points a game for the first six or seven games. But I think the expectations that we all had um, gave us this feeling like we should always feel like we did last year. Surprised and pleasant, you know, just let's coast through this. Yeah. And it's just not there. The, I, the expectations are what's different. Yeah, I think, I think you've nailed it there because the expectations last year after the stuff started happening, it's like you always say, we were lapping it up like chocolate pudding. Oh, my God, this is great. The one, they're throwing it everywhere. They're scoring points at will. This is unbelievable. We've never seen this in 20 oh, years. Unbelievable, it, you know? Yeah. And now this year, it's exactly. like, all right, give me more of that. And it's like, oh, well, oh, what? Nine points against, six well, points against the Jaguar? Oh, God, right. this is, ah, what are we doing? This is ta- like now we're spoiled. It took one year to get spoiled. And in reality, a lot of the production is largely the same on the offensive side of the ball in, in terms of total body of work. Right. I, you come out and it's, it's completely different this year because you look at the schedule and you think, OK, and you go down and say, I don't know. I, we scored 35 to zero against the Dolphins, 43 points against Washington, 40 points against the Texans, 38 against the Chiefs. And it didn't feel like that. <laughs> It didn't feel as enjoyable as it, it did last year. We were like, okay, it was what we, you know. okay, that's good, right? It didn't feel awesome like it did a year ago. <laughs> wow, it, it's that fleeting. Okay, uh, one area where their propensity to throw is slightly down this year is on first down, though, Steve. Last year, as we know, they led the league in passing percentage on first down at just over sixty percent. This year, it's down to fifty-eight point six, still ranks second highest in the league. So a few more run calls on first down, and that is probably revealed in Buffalo's slightly better rushing numbers to that of last season. Bills are averaging just over 10 yards more per game on the ground this year in comparison to last year, and yet we still hear griping about the run game this year. Their yards per carry average, about a half yard better than what it was last year, 4.6 to 4.2. So they're running more effectively, which was the aim in the offseason. But has it been to the degree they were hoping for? I'm not so sure. No, I, I think it would be fun or better for this team to be able to threaten a team with the running game rather than catch them off guard with the running yeah, game. Mixing and, it I, in. and I know we're talking about, we've, we've talked a lot of, in the, already in this podcast about, you know, it's more of a mindset where the fans are, a mindset where their expectations are. Mm-hmm. And I think for Bills and their running game, I think they're still in that mind, they're in a mindset of we're not going to beat anybody running the football. And that's where their mindset is. So let's use it to give it a little bit of respect, make the other team think about it. Yeah. But we're not going to depend on it when push comes to shove. Yeah, I, I tend to think that they're trying to make a more concerted effort to mix the run in more, not not with any more in terms of number of play calls. I, I do think they're trying to work it in on first down a little bit more because I think they know it helps their play-action pass game where Josh is very effective and where the passing game actually sees opportunities more than 10 yards down the field. So I think there are some reasons why we're seeing some run attempts creep in on first down ever so slightly this year. Uh, Finally, with the anticipated return of John Feliciano and Spencer Brown, who both returned to practice this week, do we think Buffalo's plans to be more multiple down the stretch on offense have a greater chance for success? Well, you're, 
you're always better when better players are on the field. And you got to think that this is the offensive line where they were trying to get to. He's been there for two games. Uh, Spencer Brown, remember he had the back, then he had COVID. Mm -hmm. So he's been out for a long stretch. Feliciano was actually put on IR for three weeks. And those two guys, that's 40% of the offensive line that you're working with that have been changed and shuffled. And then you shuffle the third guy around by moving Daryl Williams down inside. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff's going on. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is going to make a difference. But I don't know if we can count on it making a difference snap one after a month off. Right. And six weeks, really, for – Spencer Brown. Well, he, he, he came back for the Jets game and then was gone again. Right. And, so, and Feliciano's missed four games. So it's, you know, how how comfortable are they going to feel in there? Certainly there may be a little – there's going to be a little bit of, you know, lingering effects from being here for six months and being in the same room and yeah. these guys are like, maybe it'll be – you would think they're going to play better. But I don't know that we can count on it being transformed – or transforming the way they run the offense got, right away. Got some rust to knock off. Is kind of what yeah, you're plus, getting at. They're gonna be. They're gonna have fresh legs. Plus, I don't know. They'll that, have fresh right. legs. Plus, I don't know that they had ironed out exactly what they wanted it to look like when those guys were in there for two games. Yes. Now but, they certainly look good against the Jets, but it's the Jets, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't know that the Bills' offensive staff is even the thousand percent confident they know where they're gonna be in a month from now when these yeah. guys get on the field if everything stays the same. It's probably going to be an adjust as they go. Like, oh, you know what? We thought this was going to work. It is. Let's do more of that. Or, <laughs> well, maybe that didn't That's, pan out had, right. as we had hoped. We're going to have to go in a different or direction. More, like, more likely, it's like, oh, wow, we're doing this a lot better. So we're going to, we were going to thought we were going to do this, but let's, yeah. let's morph over here a little bit. Um, yeah, let's just run it with a little different technique, or let's run this a little more often, and that sets this up. So, yeah, it's. I, I don't think they're 1,000% sure how they're going to look offensively with these guys on the field, particularly against far and away the best defense they've faced. Yeah, and the one the next week against Tampa Bay isn't too shabby either. They're rounding into form much the way they did at this time last year en route to the Super Bowl title. Daily fantasy players, right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just go to fanduel.com bills. That's fanduel.com bills. FanDuel, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move ahead to the numbers game where Steve is going to be tasked. Ah, tasked. I didn't even mean that. Oh, very nice. With uh, tapping into I see what a, you did there. Yeah, it, with tapping into a bit of Bills-Patriots history. As you know, Steve, the Bills don't have a long string of victories against New England during the Bill Belichick era. The Patriots lead the overall series with a record of 76-45-1, going all the way back to 1960. Belichick has been there since 2000. Buffalo has... Just seven victories over the Patriots in the Bill Belichick era, a span of 42 games. Yeah. Does that include the two last year? Yes. <laughs> I need you to give me a guess as to what Bill's player provided the game-winning points in each of those seven victories. And to help you, I will provide the dates in the final score of each of these games. And we'll go in reverse chronological order. So last year, so we're Monday talking night about, game. yeah, we're talking about the player that gave them the game-winning points. So that game, obviously, in Week 16 last year, 38 to nine. Okay, December 28, 2020, at New England, Bills win 38 to nine. We know Stephon Diggs had three touchdowns in the game, but that was after the game-winning points were put on the board. Okay, so who put the points on the board? To give the Bills more than nine points, which was all the, the wow. Patriots could muster that night. Tyler Bass. 
Your, an- your, qu- your answer is Tyler Bass. That would be incorrect. This player gave them a 10-3 lead in the first half, so it was a touchdown, not a field goal. Made it yeah, t- but it wasn't the extra point, though, that gave them the 10 Well, okay. Uh, well, I see what you're saying. I I'm see right, you. aren't I? You want to know who scored the touchdown, you know what? though? You know what? I'll, I'm going to give that to you Thank because you. you are technically correct. Thank you. I'm going to say Tyler Bass is the correct answer there, but I'm but looking for I the touchdown I want to say the touchdown, score. I will say, who was it? Dawson Knox. No. I can't remember who scored the touchdown. It was Zach Moss with Zach a five-yard touchdown run to give him a 10-3 lead. Okay, right. you, so you'll get that one on a technicality. Get that one on a technicality, so I've got, got one. We go back to November 1st, 2020 in Buffalo. This is an easy one. Bills win 24-21, and we remember the force fumble by Justin Zimmer that was recovered by Dean Marlowe, but who provided the game-winning points with 4.06 remaining to put the Bills oh. ahead 24-21? Was it a touchdown? Or Tyler Bass. And that would be correct again. <laughs> a 28-yard field goal. See, you thought you were going to struggle. I am kicking ass and taking names, Kicking man. bass and kicking taking names. Kicking bass and taking names. All Here right, so now, now it <laughs> gets right. a little bit tougher. Now, now we... We go back to October 2nd, 2016, the Jacoby Brissett game. Tom Brady is serving a Deflategate suspension. Jimmy Garoppolo is injured. He's out. So Jacoby Brissett starts for the Patriots. I believe this was his first career start. And they're goose-egged, 16 to nothing. So who scored first for Buffalo to provide the game-winning points? Tyrod Taylor. It is not Tyrod Taylor. But he did throw the pass to this person. 16. 16 nothing. So I've basically no, told you. 2018. 2016. 2016, right. I'm going to say. Kelvin Benjamin. It is not Kelvin Benjamin. I will give you one more crack at this. He wasn't. It is a big name player on the team at the time. Seven-yard touchdown pass from Tyrod Taylor. How about... (laughs) I don't know. All right, I will tell you. It is LaShawn McCoy. Oh, shady. Seven-yard touchdown pass from Tyrod Taylor. Should have known that one. Okay, we... We dig deeper into the vault now. Oh, December twenty eighth, twenty fourteen, week seventeen at Gillette, the Kyle Orton year at quarterback for the Bills. Buffalo won the game seventeen to nine. So who provided the score to put the Bills up fourteen to three at the time, which was enough to be the game winning point? So this was the second touchdown scored by the Bills. Which was enough to be the so game-winning points. Touchdown, not the extra points. Not that Ryan is correct. Mandel, right? It is not, and it, that oh. wouldn't even be correct anyway. Really? Who, <laughs> was, who was that? Who was it? I, I believe know, it was I Dan know. Carpenter. Okay, yeah. Uh, I will say 2012, 2014, 14. And I am going to tell you this is going to be probably the most difficult one for you to get, um, because this guy did not score often. It was a short touchdown run. But it was not by was a Sean. running back. Oh, it was. Uh, There's no way. It was a fullback. Oh, uh, Larry Centers. <laughs> not Larry Centers. Wait, let you're, me go you're, again. You're, let me go again. Uh, 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 <laughs> Sam Gash. Not Sam Gash. Uh, wait, We're wait, way too far in the wait, past. Wait, wait. Uh, 
Carwell Gardner. <laughs> the answer was Booby Dixon. One yard touchdown James run Braxton. by Booby Dixon. James this Braxton. was also the famous Doug Marone swan song after the game in the locker room. His speech to the Bills players was, it's all about the Bills family. Three days later, he resigned. Oof. How's, how's, how about them apples? Uh, nice job, wow. Doug. Okay. Uh, September 25th, 2011, week three at the stadium. Bills are in a shootout with the Patriots as Tom Brady and Ryan Fitzpatrick go toe-to-toe. Brady throws four picks in the game. Who provides the game-winning points in this 34-31 final? uh, Jairus Bird. Oh, Steve, come on. This is an easy one. It's a 34-31 final. Do we remember the Fred Jackson play at the end of the 2011 game? It's originally called a touchdown. Then it's called back and down at the one-yard line. Time is about to expire, and what happens? I don't know. Oh, Steve, you don't remember the game? I don't remember that. Dude, I'm an old man. Um, is Fred Jackson? It is not Fred Jackson. He he was called down at the one yard line. It's what year 31, is it? 31, what year is it? 2011, week three. Stevie Johnson. It is not Stevie Johnson. It's 31, 31. Time is about to expire. Who's playing quarterback? Uh, it is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He did have four touchdown passes in the let's game, say, but that was not the game winning score. Let's say. Who's the tight end? Uh, Lindell. It's Ryan Lindell. Yes. 28-yard field goal. Oh, I got you. As time go. expires. Okay. All right. Puts he it up and through. Don't you remember, remember Mormon Brady. jumping on his shoulders? And yeah. I remember Brady threw four touchdowns or four interceptions or yeah. whatever it was, and three of them were right through and off the helmet of his receivers. I'm <laughs> like Edelman <laughs> doinked one right into the hand. Oh, uh, we were we were overdue for that. Oh right? my gosh. Um, never wouldn't mind that. a four interception game by Mac Jones on Monday night. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right, we go back to September seventh, two thousand three. Season opener at Ralph Wilson Stadium. The Bills just signed Lawyer Malloy the Tuesday before the game after he was released by New England in a cap savings maneuver. I will Malloy say. is suited up for the game and actually gets a sack in what ends up being the most lopsided Bills win in the Belichick era. 31 to nothing. So who scored the first touchdown of the game? Sam Gash. No, Sam, Sam uh, Adams. It, Sam Adams had a touchdown. It was not the first of the game. That is the loudest I have ever heard the stadium ever. Ever. Yeah. Ever. It yeah. beats everything. Yeah. I've never heard. The the ground was shaking. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Not just because Sam was running. It was a moment. <laughs> uh, I will The s- first touchdown. Peerless Price. It is not Peerless Price. That's a good I will tell though. you it is a rushing touchdown, which should narrow it down for you considerably. One it yard was, touchdown uh, run by. The kid from Clemson, the fast one. Not C.J. Spiller. He was not there till 2009. Oh, gosh. 2003, Man, am, Steve. Does this give you an insight as to how jumbled my brain is? <laughs> That's why it's so much fun. Thurman Thomas. It is. <laughs> 2003. Wait, wait. No, it wasn't Thurman. It was Kenny Davis. It was no. not Kenny. You can, th- you can actually get here. This is a former no. second-round pick of the Bills. Running back. Had a really strong start to his career. Willis McGahee. Not Willis McGahee. He did not play in 2003. He was a first-rounder. This was a second-round draft choice in 2001. 
ran very well for this team, a bad team, ran very well for a bad football team, and was still the guy toting the mail for them in 2003 before Willis McGahee came onto the scene in 2004. Wow, this is a tough one. Where'd he come out of college? Tennessee. Oh. And it's not Peerless Price. <laughs> you already I was going to say, yeah. I'm a rushing touch. I remember this kid. He was good. He was big and fast. Uh, who, who was it? Travis Henry. Oh, I You're thinking him. of Sean Bryson, I who was big Sean and fast. Bryson. It's Travis, Travis Henry. Henry. Yeah. He scored the winning in one yard touchdown run. Okay. Last one. November 5th, 2000 at Foxborough. Doug Flutie at quarterback for the Bills. Drew Bledsoe is injured on an interception by Kenny Irvin for the Bills and is replaced by John Freeze at quarterback. The Bills win it in overtime, 16-13, which should make it easy for you. John Freeze Patriots? Yeah. Who provides at, at old Foxborough? Who provides the game-winning points this time? Overtime, Steve. Eric Moulds. No. 16-13 is your final. How do most overtime games oh, end you. in the NFL? Uh, it's not Steve Christie. It is Steve Christie with a 32-yard field goal. Finally got to a teammate of mine. <laughs> That's how far back we had to go. So, Steve, you got one, two, you got four out of seven. That's not bad. Yeah, when well, we go that far back in time, that's challenging. What was the third one I got? You got, well, I gave oh, you the Tyler Bass technicality. You got right. Tyler Bass again. And you got Steve Christie and Ryan Lindell. Four out of seven. Good job. Good job, Steve. The I four could, kickers. That's your that's, best I guess didn't usually. Think about when, you, when I saw this on, I was like, I'm never going to get any of these. And I didn't think about <laughs> asking, you know, guessing kickers. Yeah. Not bad at all, Steve. Uh, all right. I feel better. Good job there in the numbers game. Time to turn to our featured guest, longtime Patriots reporter for ESPN.com, Mike Reese, who is as plugged in as anyone to the daily events at one Patriot place and can speak to what might be a more two-sided chapter in the Bills-Patriots rivalry. All right, Mike, so let's start here because you've seen this rivalry throughout the entire Belichick era, much like we have. And uh, seven victories in total for Buffalo over that span. So while Bills fans would call it a rivalry over the years, I don't think Patriots fans consider it as such. But maybe things have changed here. So just give me your thoughts on this now perhaps being a two-sided rivalry where both fan bases are into this thing now. How how much legitimacy would you apply to that? Oh, 100% legitimacy. Um, Chris and Steve, I, I think there's a lot of respect for the Bills, especially after what they did last year. I mean, how many times have you seen a team come into Gillette Stadium and take care of the Patriots the way the Bills did last year? And, you know, I, I know the results have favored the Patriots over Bill Belichick's tenure, but even when the results were favoring the Patriots, I felt like if we look closer at some of those games, like those were some really good games. Um, you know, it wasn't like the Patriots were blowing them out every time. And man, I was thinking about some of the memories. 2003, that first game that the Bills got, the 31-0 game. Remember Sam Adams taking yeah. it back? Um, <laughs> Lawyer Malloy game. I mean, the Bills come in here, they lose, I think, 2009 season opener. I mean, that was a fluke win for the Patriots on like a late fumble by the Bills. So like these games, a lot of these games have been competitive, even though the Patriots came out on top. And as for this season, it seems as though, I don't want to say struggle, but the Patriots are playing 
less winning football at home than they are on the road. They're undefeated on the road so far this season. All their losses have come in Gillette. Is there is that just a weird anomaly, or is there do you sense something that's a reason for that? So a big part of that is timing, guys. I, I would say, you know, they've they're playing their best football probably over the last month. And they had five of their first seven games of the season at home. So they were still trying to find themselves early in the season. Um, and their road games, like, and this is so interesting to me, because you know what the atmosphere is going to be like Monday night. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be what a football atmosphere should be. 5-0 and on the road, but they have not been in a hostile road environment. I'm just going to run it down to you real fast. Like at the Jets, week two, uh, pretty mild. At the Texans, week five, I mean, place was half empty. I mean, it was like bring your own energy day for the Patriots after playing Brady <laughs> at home the week before. Um, you know, they were at the Chargers. They don't have a, I mean, I, I hate to say it, they don't have a great fan base. It was mostly Patriot right. fans there. At the Panthers, somewhat similar. They had some Panther fans, but a lot of Patriot representation. And then at the Falcons, that Thursday night game, which you guys might've seen a couple of weeks ago, the place was maybe half full. And a lot of Patriots fans love what Devin McCourty said this week. He said, look, this is going to be different. There might be a few Patriot fans out in Western New York, but you got to think twice if you're a fan of the Patriots and you're cheering in that type of environment. Yeah. Bring your own energy. Yeah, yeah I love true. that. Um, efficiency is what has lifted Mac Jones to pretty impressive heights here in his rookie season. Question to you, though, Mike, is... What, if anything, through the course of this season has been most effective in compromising his efficiency as a passer by opposing defenses? Great question, and probably a couple different ways to answer it. I think this offense is at its best when it runs the ball. They have a one-two punch with Damian Harris and a rookie out of Oklahoma, Ramondre Stevenson. So they get that run game going, and it sets up play-action passing opportunities. Uh, last week, the Titans really made a concerted effort to take away the run and make Mac beat him. Um, and through the first three quarters, it wasn't so hot for the Patriots. And then they ended up putting the hammer down in the fourth quarter, got the run game going a little bit. So that's probably what would, my answer would be, would be if you can take away the run, put the game in Mac's hands. Um, that's probably the, the best chance for the opposition to sort of knock him out of rhythm. And I would say if you want to get a little more into the X's and O's, um, some sort of delayed blitzes from defensive backs have been effective over the last couple of weeks where you've seen like a safety, a deep safety you know, blitz, you know, at the snap, but the safety was so deep at the snap that, you know, maybe the initial pickup wasn't as clear to the offensive line or the running back. And you've seen Mac get sacked on a couple of those type of blitzes the last two weeks. From a thousand miles away, you think you, you kind of watch this Patriot team on this offense on the surface Mac Jones drops back gets the ball out very quick he's being accused of like taking the quick easy completion doesn't press the ball down the field is that fair does he that he doesn't like to throw over the top I've seen him throw a few seam routes that were on the money and he's obviously an extremely accurate guy but what's the personality of his passing game is it that quick release timing kind of offense I do think that 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 is a big part of the offense and he's so smart Steve, I mean, he just, he knows where to go with the ball, which I would say is probably pretty rare 
if you talk to people um, you know, that are a lot smarter than me, I ask them and they say that that really impresses them. Usually you don't see that from a rookie and they, and they'll tell you like, yeah, sometimes he probably goes to his check down, maybe a little bit quicker than you would like to maybe let something open up down the field. But the way the Patriots operate, they'd rather him take that safe conservative approach and live for the next play than try to be a hero and push the ball down the field. The one other thing I would say is when he's thrown down the field, like there have been effective plays. Like we can go through a, a list of plays yeah. where he's pushed it down there. So I would, I would caution anyone from saying that he can't push it down the field. Right. Kyle Duggar is a player that has taken on a large role this year in their defense. He's instrumental in their big nickel package. He's played over 80% of the snaps. Now he's on the COVID list. I'm not going to ask you if you know his vaccination status or not, but if in the event that he can't play Monday night, uh, Mike, what does that do to change what they have done defensively with some of their three safety looks this season? Significant storyline. And I think Kyle's the type of guy, he's so soft-spoken that sometimes you, you overlook his importance to the team. Um, so on the vaccination status, um, you know, it's my belief that he's vaccinated. They only have a handful of guys that are unvaccinated, but you know, I don't know that for sure, but I'm going to, it's my belief that he is. And so he would need the, the two uh, negative tests within 24 hours to play. So I think there's still a chance he could play, but he would be playing without, you know, presumably a week of practice if that's the way it unfolds. So that in and of itself to me is significant because Patriots always say, you know, perform like you practice. So um, big nickel. You mentioned it, Chris. I mean, it's such a good point. Patriots have three safeties over 80% playing time this year. That's basically their base defense. And they've been fortunate because their depth at safety drops off after the top three players. Their fourth safety is also their top slot cornerback, a result of losing their top slot cornerback, John Jones, to a season-ending injury earlier this year. I think, to me, this is the story within the game. Because I think that's an area where the Patriots are a little bit vulnerable. Are there any other question marks about how the roster is going to look on Monday night for the Patriots? Not necessarily. I think one player to watch for is Trent Brown, the right tackle. When he's been in there um, last week, he didn't have his best game, but he makes he's such a difference maker. And he said yesterday that he's, you know, the calf injury that he's been dealing with is sort of a day-to-day -day thing for him. Some days he feels good with it. Some days he doesn't. And the offensive line, we talked about the running game as a big part of their identity. The offensive line is obviously a huge part of that. So Trent would be one to keep an eye on. And, and also, I would just say Jamie Collins, the linebacker, has been on injured reserve. They designated him for return, went, was back at practice on Wednesday, and they'd like to get him back in the lineup. That would be a significant addition for them. Yeah. And then the last one we've got for you, Mike, this is a true special teams type standoff between two teams that rank very highly in a number of categories. You got two of the three leading scorers among kickers in the league with Folk and Bass. Um, where, where have you seen this special teams unit for the Patriots rise up the most and make a difference in a game? Is it strictly just in the hidden yards and field position or is it big plays here and there? So it's both. And I okay. love that you mentioned it, of course, because, you know, when I see Steve, I get all fired up to talk about the kicking game, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so Nick Folk, their kicker, uh, 50 straight field goals within 50 yards, stretching back to last season. 
I mean, that's unbelievable. And it's the second longest streak in NFL history um, behind Ryan Suckup with 56. That's going to be tested, right, in the conditions Monday night. So Nick has really settled things down at that kicker spot for them. And it's so vital for them when they play field position football. They got the, the, the rookie quarterback on offense where they're start trying to manage things a little bit. Um, and then the hidden yardage. I mean, every, every week it seems like I'm writing something where it's like, you know, average drive start, like last week was the, their own 33-yard line on kickoffs. The Titans was their 23-yard line. It's 10 yards. It's a first down. That's so significant. Both teams, as you mentioned, have these core guys. They value it. And I think if you're really into football and X's and O's, like this is one of those weeks where like fourth down is incredibly exciting um, in this game. And we've talked about this too. This is the last one I've got for you. Both these teams come into this game with a plus turnover margin. The, the Patriots number two in the league, Bills number three in the league after leading for a while, now playing some inconsistent football. Uh, they've dropped behind the Patriots. And I think both of them are behind the Colts, I believe for the number one in turnover differential. Talk about how this defense and its ability to get turnovers, to me, has really been the engine for their success this season. Definitely, and it's a great point. I have my talking points for the week, and, and some people have asked me, like, what's the key to the six-game win streak for the Patriots? And I would start with the turnovers. They were minus three in the turnover differential when they were two and four. And now they're eight and four, and they're plus 10 in the turnover differential. So they've been plus 13 over their six game win streak. And Bill Belichick often says, no statistic correlates more to wins and losses than turnovers. And defensively, they've been able to create some of those turnovers. Some of them have come late in games when it's been already decided, which skews the number a little bit. But I think when you pair it with an offense that has generally taken care of the football, especially after having some struggles in that area earlier in the season, it's been a big part of their formula uh, to go on this six-game win streak. Mike, as always, we uh, appreciate the insight and in getting us ready for this Monday night game. We look forward to seeing you up here uh, for this gigantic game as far as the AFC East is concerned. Thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Steve. Always great to be with you. Time for your chance to win a million dollars with FanDuel's free pick'em style game, high-low pick teams for four different stat categories that you think will score the highest or lowest for the week. The more you get right, the more you can win. Get them all right, and you could take home a million dollars. Just go to fanduel.com slash high low to play. Steve and I make these picks each week, and I'm going to take the high and low on points this week, Steve. For high on points, I'm going with Cincinnati. They're playing the Chargers, who not only have the worst run defense in the league, but are 29th in points allowed. And Cincinnati just hung 41 on the Steelers last week. Joe Mixon runs wild. Joe Burrow runs it up. I think the Bengals could again put up 40 in this one. Low for right. points. I'm going to go with the Falcons here. They're facing a resurgent Tampa Bay defense, and this was around the time that the Bucs defense caught fire last year, as I mentioned earlier. I think they hold Atlanta to about 13, 16 points. All right, fair enough. I'll take the high for passing yards. I'm feeling really good about Derek Carr and the Raiders. They're playing Washington, who ranks 30th in the league. Um, so I think Derek Carr, they're starting to feel like they've got to get back into the race. They're in a horse race in the AFC West mm -hmm. with four. all four teams are right there. So I think the Raiders are going to feel the pressure and Derek Carr is going to have a field day. For low passing yards, <laughs> the Chicago Bears. You pick the Bears and the Lions every week on the low side. They're going to come up low in something. 
the Bears are going up against a Cardinal defense. They're coming off a bye week. They're top defense, top five defense, fourth against the pass, third and run, third down defense. I mean, the Cardinals are a good team. The Bears are not. That's where I get the low. Yeah, I, I like that. My high for rushing yards pick this week is Indianapolis. Hard not to ride the Jonathan Taylor train, especially when he's facing the league's second-worst run defense in the Texans. Frank Reich was criticized for not running the ball enough last week. That won't be the case this week. Colts for high on rushing yards. Low for rushing yards. I've got to go right back to Atlanta. I'm taking the Falcons. Atlanta does not run the ball all that well, and they're facing the number one run defense in football, so I don't even think they try to run it much. Low for rushing yards, the Falcons. Right. For me, then I'm going to take for high for sacks. Sacks? I'm taking the Rams. This is a get-well game for them. They're facing a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. The Von Miller is going to start to kick in, and the Rams, uh, first rule about a football team, when you dig yourself a hole, the first thing you got to do is stop digging. The Rams are going to stop digging their own okay. hole this week against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And the low for sacks, the Giants. They're playing the Miami Dolphins. Tua gets the ball out fast. The rhythm offense, the timing's going to be there. I don't see the Giants getting anywhere close to Tua. They're not going to get him on the ground at all. So I think the Giants are going to go low for sacks. Dolphins are actually playing good football here down the stretch. Uh, They cut a couple more wins. They could be back in the playoff conversation. It's absolutely nuts. All right, that is high-low for us. You can play FanDuel's free high-low game at FanDuel.com under their free-to-play tab. And that'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when the next episode drops. We are also available on the Bills YouTube channel, so you can check us there as well. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next week, everybody.